Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to a special episode of the build-up here on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks, where we have got another golf major special coming your way this week with myself, Mark Farley, and Mick McCarthy, as always. Mick, how are you? I'm good, Mark. I'm looking forward to some winged foot action. Some winged foot. I was like going thinking to myself, do I pronounce it winged foot or winged foot? But it's winged foot. Um, for anybody wondering, winged foot west. Yeah, uh, you're, you're uh, probably too young to remember the last time the US Open was here, 2006. I'm not saying you'd be too young to remember 2006, but I'd ima- imagine you were too young to be staying up all night watching the most dramatic uh, end to the US Open. I do, yeah, I don't remember. It's one of them things. I've obviously been reading about it this week, looking back in retrospect. Uh, it is a place where nobody finished under par and Phil Mickelson seemed to throw it all away because he went with a driver in the 18th rather than uh, than going short in the fairway. Poor old Phil. Um, You know, had to to live with that for a while, but uh, ultimately he's won loads of majors since, so I'm sure he's okay now. Poor old Colin Montgomery, though, on the other hand. You know, he had many's a a second place and never won a major, and I think this was his last time doing it as well. So it was dead. I love those tournaments. I love when people are five, six over par and winning it. And everything yeah. just goes wrong, and like someone like Des Smith comes out of nowhere and has a chance of winning. You know that that tends to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a 2003 Open maybe or something like that. But the US Open when it's at its best is like that. But I think they've kind of cleaned it up a little bit this these days, where they kind of feel like maybe we're being unfair on the professional golfers who, you know, the skill isn't the part of the game. I don't know. They're not thinking about me watching it. You know, watching four tournaments <laughs> a year here. You know. Well, I'll tell you uh, who knows the course well is US journalist Mike Bailey. So he'll know the difficulty of it. He also knows who's going to be in with a good shout this week. We're going to chat to him uh, just in, in just a couple of moments, uh, get his take on it, talk us through the course, talk us through who he thinks is in with a shout. Uh, Mick, I don't know about you, but golf has really, I, I don't know, it's gone up another level since the lockdown for me. It's just something, I suppose, the fact that we have maybe are, have curtailed, curtailed our social lives, uh, <laughs> yeah, that we're so desperate so. to see sport of any description on the, on the, on the, I was going to say on the wireless, on the television, that it's just, you just get sucked into them all. You've got that, and you've got the fact that it's a condensed season where you're putting all the majors in. So in between the majors, in between the PGA and the US Open, you had the entire FedEx Cup Series. Exactly. So every event was important. Every event had a full field. All these, like, Johnson and Ram developed an entire rivalry in the last month because they were both going up against each other. You know, whereas I don't know if they'd ever even met before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, so suddenly they're the McEnroe O'Connors of, uh, of golf in 2020. Maybe I should have went with Tiger and Phil there. I don't know. Anyway, uh, stayed with the same sport. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what's been brilliant about it. But it's kind of, um, yeah, rarely is up to date with it. Rarely is looking forward to a tournament as this week. So I think if you kind of get all these guys out there again, but now the course becomes a bigger character because you're seeing the same guys all the time. So, um, you know, and this is, this is going to be a great course for to play a character in a story, you know, because it's really, it's going to dominate. Like you're, it's, we're going to spend a lot of time laughing this week. Without a doubt. Well, look, you can, sorry, um, you can subscribe to the podcast. I'm getting, my, uh, getting tongue-tied there. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast by searching the build-up on Balls.ie and all good podcast apps. Uh, please do leave a rating and review while you're there as well. Without further ado, let's chat to Mike Bailey all the way over in Houston, Texas. We're delighted to be joined by US golf journalist Mike Bailey on the line now. Mike, how are you? 
I'm doing great this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. Um, before we get into the contenders, who's going to win the US Open this weekend, talk us through the course in Wingfoot uh, West. It's a, it's a very difficult course, and I believe you've played it before. I, I have played it before. I can't give you a hole by hole. I can give you a little highlights <clears throat> here and there. I mean, to me, Wingfoot, uh, and, and for a guy that doesn't get to play those classic Northeast courses, as we like to call them here in America, um, you know, it's very different from what the rest of the U.S., generally plays uh, like down here in Texas where I live you don't see anything like Wingfoot I mean we have a lot of a lot more modern golf courses with uh, you know a lot of water uh, a lot of target golf that sort of thing but when you play a course like Wingfoot and the west course in particular and you know in that classic uh, classic classic design that was built you know before there was machinery to make those greens uh, and of course it's been renovated I mean it's been updated over the years but um, it's, it's still very, very unique and very, very difficult and has always been difficult. Um, so, you know, when you get on that course, you've got to have every single, you know, skill there is. You've got to have a great short game. You've got to be able to drive the ball. And, of course, it's going to play long for these guys this week. So it, I, I just don't think this is the kind of course where a short hitter is going to come out on top. Maybe 50 years ago, uh, you know, when they had uh, – when, when – uh, uh, Billy Casper won in 1959. You didn't have to be that long, but I think today you got to be you got to be long. You got to be strong. The rough is so difficult. Um, you know, it's it's and you got to have a great short game. I mean, all those greens are so difficult. Uh, you get on the wrong side of the hole, and I don't care how how easy you hit it. If you don't make that putt, you're looking at a 10 footer coming back. If not, if not off the green. I mean, I can remember doing that. I can remember being out there. And, uh, I'd hit a shot and it would finish above the hole on a particular green. And, and you're thinking, well, I've got a birdie putt. And the truth is making bogey is going to be difficult um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, because you miss that putt coming downhill or even a side hill putt. And, and you're looking at 10 to 12 foot or maybe even off the green. I mean, I, I can remember putting off the green before. And, and while I'm not at the level of these pros, um, you know, I, I feel like most of the time when I put it, I'm going to keep it on the green. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty intimidating place. And it also makes you have an appreciation for the greatest players in the world because sure. uh, while they will, some of these guys will struggle in the U.S. Open, they make it look much easier than it really is. And, uh, you know, for anybody like uh, any single-digit handicap going out there that's not a, you know, U.S. Open qualifier, I mean, it's all you can do to break 90 on that golf course. Mm. When we saw um, it last on a major scale in 2006, uh, the US Open, it was kind of, people will remember it really well. Jeff Ogilvie won with a score of five over, incredibly. Um, Phil Mickelson was, you know, probably should have won it. Uh, Colin Montgomery, probably his last chance at a major. Really, really memorable tournament. I don't mind it when it's like that, I have to say. A lot of golf people kind of think it's unfair on the players and stuff like that. I find it a lot more dramatic as a viewer to watch. Right. Do you think we're going to see anything? Those days are kind of gone. I think they're, they're, we're hardly going to see a repeat of that this week, are we? I, you know, I, I'm in a pool, as most people are probably, who love golf. And, and uh, the tiebreaker is, uh, what do you think the final score is going to be in relation to par? And I did put that I think that the winner will be under par. I, I think that the USGA has undergone a lot of criticism over the years for maybe making these courses a little too difficult. So I don't, I don't see the conditions. I don't think they're going to be like they were in 2006 when it was, like you said, plus five. 
Mm. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's, you know, it's just a couple or three under par uh, to win this, because this is still going to be very tough. The, the, the rough is still going to be deep and thick and difficult to deal with. And if you're coming out of that, I don't care where you are, it's going to be hard to hold these greens. And, and, then, and then the short game is just going to have to be spectacular. But I do think those guys that are long are going to have a big advantage. I mean, uh, it, it, you just want the shortest club possible coming into these greens. And, and that's where I see the advantage. And you, you think about how Dustin Johnson's been playing, uh, you know, and as long as he hits it and as, as hot as he's been, I mean, that's the kind of player you look at, obviously, but there's several others. Yeah, in terms of Dustin, talk to us about how you've uh, viewed his game over the last couple of months because he's been brilliant since the return after the lockdown. I, I mean, the thing that stands out for me is when he, um, the, the tournament, was at TPC Boston when he went 11 under uh, through the first 11 holes, I think in the first or second round. That's just, I mean, that's, that's unhuman-like to be able to do something like that. I mean, it's, it's inconceivable, honestly. I, I still don't know how he didn't shoot 55 or 56. I mean, because obviously uh, he didn't keep it going quite to that level after the 11th hole, but that's just, that's just unreal. And I, there's a lot of things I like about the way he swings and it's kind of, I think you're seeing more guys swing that way. You know, he doesn't really rotate the club face. He keeps it so square through impact. He's not only long, he's, he's super accurate and his short game is pretty good. And when his putter's on, I mean, he's tremendous. So he's going to be very interesting to watch this week. Is he someone that you look out for as, you know, He's obviously one of the most talented players and has been for a long, long time, over a decade at this stage. But he also is somewhat inconsistent, but he is a form player. So some, it's as much in his head maybe as anything else. And if he's coming in with, I think, two wins in a second in the last four weeks, that's, you know, he's rightly some, you know, favored. Whereas other people, you might lose that form from one week to another. With Johnson, you expect them to continue it. Yeah, I think you do. I, 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 I want to say earlier this year. I mean, he had a, he had a, like a, he shot like an eighty or something, or maybe mm, two of them in a tournament, which was just crazy. I, who knows what was going on in his head during that week? But I mean, every other tournament he's played in, pretty much, yes, I think he has three wins this year. I, it, it's. I mean, he's on, he's on top of his game, and he deserves to be number one in the world. And uh, you know, he's so athletic too. I mean, this guy could have exceeded in other sports. So he has golf talent and athletic talent to you know the maximum degree and um you know he's just he's going to be tough to beat but you know it, it whenever you're in a tournament like this and you and you talk about all the intangibles i i it, i think it's hard to say oh this guy's going to win or this guy's going to win it's so much about the breaks that you get and you know there's 20 or 30 other guys there that are that are certainly capable of winning it as well sure who would be on your shortlist if you're looking in terms of who, who are the who are <laughs> well, the golfers I, I, could compete for? I'm looking at my list here. Let's see. <laughs> so we we do our pool with um, we have four flights. I'm I'm sure that's a common way that people do do pools. And I did not pick Dustin Johnson because I figured everybody's going to pick Dustin yeah. Johnson. So I picked the I don't wouldn't say dark horses, but I picked Bryson DeChambeau, and I know he's a little bit polarizing. <laughs> my goodness <laughs> he's fun to watch at least <laughs> 50 miles an hour it's it's insane i mean i i the guy put on what 45 pounds of muscle and and the remarkable part is he hits it really really straight doing that so it's i mean i figure that's worth that's worth taking a chance right i mean and, and he's a pretty good putter and he's so unconventional with his golf swing and 
you know, and he, and he analyzes it so much. I mean, seems like a good fit for Wingfoot. If, if he can keep it in the fairways, I mean, this guy's going to be really tough. I don't know that he has the great short game that some of the top players do, but it's, it's pretty darn good. Uh, and the other guy that I picked in the, uh, in the, in the, in the first flight um, is John Rom. I think this, I mean, he's really rounding into form and, mm. you know, he, he had, he had a bit of a temper, I think before where, um, you know, sometimes I think he, he would let it get the best of him and he would, but, you know, I think back to that tournament he won earlier this year where uh, he had a, a two stroke penalty that he didn't even know about to the end, you know, where he chipped in and he wound up making bogey, but he still won. And he, he seemed to brush it off. He didn't seem to have any problem with it. I mean, it makes it easier when you wound up winning, but, <laughs> but he seems to really be maturing now and he's super talented, hits it far. Uh, great short game, great putter as well. So, I mean, I, I think he's got a good shot of winning this too. It's probably John's a good example as well of the, you're going to need that mental strength because things are going to go wrong. So if you look back to a few weeks ago with the BMW Championship, when he, first of all, he gets the penalty for, uh, I don't know what he was thinking in terms of picking the ball up. Um, and then he looks like he's won it. And then obviously that brilliant putt from Dustin Johnson to force the playoff. And then right. for Ram to sink that 64 or straight away after that it shows you that he's got that he's he's, he's going to take everything into straight yeah i mean i mean he was i mean we were watching that and i was thinking to myself he's gonna be lucky to two putt and you know it's there's a lot of luck involved in making a putt of that length obviously with that much break i mean that has to be perfect speed and absolutely perfect line <clears throat> but just the fact that he was able to to focus that well and, and, you know, and that's what putting really is about, I think. I mean, obviously, it's about feel and some technique and everything. But to be able to focus and visualize that well, and obviously, he was just trying to get it close, but he focused so well that it went in. Um, and <laughs> Dustin had to be like, I can't believe this. But, uh, I mean, it was amazing. I mean, and he knew, what, two-thirds of the way down that had a chance. And, but he still looked as surprised as anybody when it went in. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It's an incredibly exciting time for golf at the moment with like this young generation coming through. Marikawa, obviously, with what he did and only his second or third ever major. Um, you had like right behind him, I think, Matthew Wolf in his first ever major finishing fourth. You've got other guys like right. Hovland. There's four or five of these guys that are coming through that look like they're going to take on the mantle. I'm wondering this week, though, if, as Mark said, things are going to go wrong. You need to have been there before. It's just my take on it. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's certainly true. I don't I would be really surprised if somebody just comes out of left field, uh, to use a baseball term and and uh and wins this thing. I think it'll be somebody we're very familiar with. I mean it could be one of those young players. Uh Morikawa is um I think he's mature beyond his years for sure. Mm. Um and, and he withstood some adversity earlier in the season when he missed a very sh- short putt at Colonial. Uh, and then came back, I think, to win a couple of weeks later. And then obviously, uh, you know, winning the PGA championship. I mean, the guy was just clutched down the stretch. Now, the, the, the setup for the PGA is much, much different than it is for the U.S. Open. But he's got the tools. And I do think, I do think he has the, the mental wherewithal uh, to do well in a tournament like this. I, I like his attitude. I love hearing him, you know, speak in interviews. Um, he just seems like a real, you know, he seems like he's 30, 30 or 35 rather than yeah. what is he about 22, 24 22. years old, something like that. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of the Irish perspective here, obviously we're going to be 
uh, keeping an eye on the likes of Graham McDowell and Shane Larry, who probably are, you know, Larry's form has been a bit indifferent since the restart. Rory McIlroy, obviously, as well as the main hope for us on this side of the water. What, what do you see his chances as? Well, I, I was very tempted to, to pick Rory in, in my top flight. I also felt like a lot of people would pick Rory because he has such a great record in the U.S. Open. And because, I mean, he doesn't really have any weaknesses in his game. Um, but, you know, he just had a baby. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that, that can do, you know, that could make him ultra focused or it could be a bit of a distraction. You know, it just depends how things go. So, but yeah, I, I mean, Roy is certainly one of the favorites and I think this is a course that he can do well on. And, um, you know, there's not a skill that he doesn't have. I mean, he's a, just a tremendous player in every aspect of the game. Why do you think it hasn't been really clicking then over the last kind of um, few months since we've come back? It's, he seems to be almost there. It's like there's nothing, you know, in, in the past we've said, oh, he's putting, he's not holding enough foot or whatever. It seems to be a little bit of everything without anything going hugely wrong. Yeah, you know golf. I mean, it's these guys play at such a high level that in, at any particular week it, all, it can all click in for them. So, I mean, with Rory, you, you know it's there. You know it. And, and this, the type, you know, the, it was interesting to hear Colin Morikawa uh, uh, talk this week. And he said, he said, even without the fans, it still feels like a very much a major championship. So, I, you know, I think for guys like Rory, he's going to get that feeling right off the bat and, and he's going to be very focused and, and, you know, this, this is going to be very inspired to play well this week. Before we let you go, Mike, is there anybody from uh, an outside chance that you think, if you're going to pick somebody a bit at left field, that maybe, as you said, is probably going to be a familiar face that wins it, but maybe somebody who could uh, do well, who would you be picking? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, a couple of guys. I, I, I love Tony Finau's game. So I, I think if he's on, um, you know, he, he certainly hits it long enough. And, and, you know, this is a guy who hits it long without really going after it. So, I mean, his, his normal, nice, easy, smooth swing gives him plenty of distance, and he has all the tools as well. So if he's on, he's definitely got a chance. Uh, and in my third flight, I picked a couple of Matthews, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Matthew Wolf. And, uh, you know, I, I think those guys have an outside shot. And I love Matthew Wolf. I love that golf swing. Um, it's, it's so much fun to watch, but he's very long, and, and he's pretty straight with it. So I think he'll be pretty accurate, which is what you need at winged foot. It's actually, uh, his golf swing is really, uh, I think David Ledbetter talked about it. He came out with the A swing a while back. I don't know if you remember that, which was based kind of on Calvin Pete. And this is the perfect model for that. And he says that's the most efficient way to go after the golf ball because it's kind of taking it back to the outside and you kind of loop it back in. Obviously, Lee Trevino had a lot of success kind of doing that as well uh, in his career. So uh, Matthew Wolf would be a good uh, outside pick, I think. Great stuff. That's brilliant, Mike. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Open this week. It'll be a nice change, good weather, it looks like, for the week. So um, should be pretty entertaining. Thanks very much to Mike. Just looking through his picks here of obviously Justin Johnson and John Ram, his uh, understandably his uh, two first picks for the uh, US Open, Mick. They are 8 to 1 and 9 to 1 on labrooks.com with Dustin Johnson the favourite and understandably so. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is 22 to 1. Uh, looking a bit further down the field, then he also mentioned Tony Finnau is 28 to 1. And then the two Matthews, Matthew Fitzpatrick, 45 to 1. 
and Matthew Wolf 50 to 1 on labrooks.com. If you are having a bet this weekend on the golf from DJ anything else, please do gamble responsibly. You can visit unlouis.net for more information. Mick, of those, who do you like the look of? And is there anybody else that was, has sprung to mind for you? So, not that I would uh, dare to say anything that uh, that Mike didn't uh, already, but I do like the look of Johnson. I just think he's on fire. Not necessarily saying he's win eight to one is great odds for for a golf tournament, but he can be. I think he can be sure he'll be in the mix at least. Um, someone we haven't mentioned, Justin Thomas and Xander Schauffele. It wouldn't be for me, but they're both there fourteen to one, and both kind of like form players in different ways over the course of the year. Schauffele is currently kind of in form. Thomas has drifted off a little bit. He was favoured for the PGA a few weeks ago. Remember that. McElroy obviously is sixteen to one. Daniel Berger, I picked for the um, for the the finish in the top twenty in um, the PGA, and he was very good. And he had an incredibly consistent run. He hasn't been so great since, unfortunately. Though he's twenty eight to one. Your old friend, Padeki Matsuyama, yes. twenty eight to one. Mark. I I I actually like Matsuyama this week. I have to say. I also I like. Adam Scott and Justin Rose, two old time. You know, I was asking kind of, would the youngsters? I was asking Mike, would the youngsters, you know, need that bit of experience to get them over the line? I think that the likes of Rose and Scott, who've been around before, who've all the talent in the world. Rose won a U.S. Open before. Scott's obviously won um, a Masters. Um, I like the look of the two of them. They're both of them are forty to one. And there's another guy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a weird name. Uh, he's actually been around a while, but uh, a fella called Tiger Woods is there forty-five to one. Yeah, I vaguely uh, know of him. Yeah, he, he wears a Nike cap a lot of the time. Um, but look, I Tiger, I don't think he's going to win the tournament. But you know, would you be mad having an each way betting him paying seven places um, at a fifth of the odds? Tiger, uh, he hasn't been doing it lately. Like I mean, he's finished fifty-first, uh, fifty-eighth, thirty-seventh, forty at sixty-eighth, and ninth in his last six. Uh, appearances so but he you notice the one thing in that is he keeps making the cut you know so he keeps kind of staying around and so it wouldn't surprise me massively to see Tiger having a run at it when nobody else is able to play the course you know if if Wingfoot kind of plays out the way I'm talking about you know yeah uh, obviously I was like for me Hideki um as I mentioned, just based off the fact that I haven't talked about him enough in a while. <laughs> Not much more than that, although his form hasn't <laughs> been bad either lately. Uh, and it's the type of course he could do well in. Um, looking elsewhere, uh, do you know, I kind of mentioned, I brushed over Shane Lowry and Graham McDermott McDowell. Um, mm. But if you go back, based off nothing to do with form this year or anything, but just going back, that was 14 years, Mick. You're looking through the first round right of the US Open in Wingfoot you've got Colin Montgomery was the leader on one under followed by Jim Furyk David Howell Miguel Angel Jimenez uh, Phil Mickelson and Steve Stricker and then they were all a shot one shot off the lead two shots off the lead after the opening round a big load of guys including Jack, Jeff Ogilvy the uh, eventual winner but also Graham McDermott Dole and he ended up not too far off I think he finished where did I see he finished with Patrick Harrington, obviously, was the Irish interest there. He finished fifth. But uh, McDermott Dole finished tied 48th, which is actually not okay. a good argument for me. But, all. 17 no, over. But funny, I thought you were getting to a point there. But Graham McDowell, okay, so he did well in the open round there. He would have been a very young player in 2006. He's a very good US Open player and always has been. Yeah. He won it, of course, as a big surprise in 2010. But it's always been the tournament, the major, that suited him the best. It, it, you know, it's the he, he's a good kind of 
up and down sort of player that can get around a difficult course. He's not the longest hitter in the world, so I would be worried by what Mike told us there. But at the same time, he finished 16th in the US Open last year. And in my head, Graham McDowell hasn't had any form in 12 years. You know, even though it was 12 years, five years, say. Um, he's always done well in the US Open. Obviously, that's the one major he won. Um, look, his form isn't great, Mark. Last uh, last week, missed the cut. Week before, missed the cut. Week before, missed the cut. Week before, tied 35th. Week before, missed the cut. Tied 35th. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be tipping him, but... It's just fifty to one, though. Yeah, you know, it's just, just and he's also just he's he's. It's more of you're looking for narratives going into this weekend. Yes. It's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Okay, I, I'm not I'm I'm not against you there. If you're looking for course form though, and all, and look, I mean, you're talking fourteen years. I'm sure these guys have played since or whatever. But in terms of a major, Phil Mickelson is ninety to one. He is uh, he's on the seniors tour now, but he's still knocking around. He was second in the World Golf Championship not that long ago. Um, he obviously didn't do too well at the PGA. I'm just saying, 90 to 1 for Phil. Like, he's a man who knows his way around a course like that. You know, you can imagine some mad Phil Mickelson flop shots now where people would be, he'd be lucky to keep this on the green and he just knocks it in the hole or something like that. So, yeah, that's one to watch as well, I would say. Uh, one more for me is, um, I've lost him now, Patrick Reed, right? Nobody's favourite golfer, including Mrs. Reed, his mother. Uh, 33 to 1. His form has somewhat returned. He was eight last, uh, last week. Maybe not. He's had, he's had two top 10s and three top 15s in his last five outings. He's kind of there or thereabouts a lot um, and could be someone to just look out for at 33 to 1. Yeah. The other one, just Harris English, 66 to 1, has finished in the top 20 in five of his last six tournaments. Um, not sure how the course he suited the course and the like. Just pointing that out, Mick. I'm not yeah. again not tipping him. I'm just these are again more interesting narratives looking into the weekend. But I think we've uh, we better go before we name we mentioned every <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every. But that's the thing. How it's what like, price is VJ Singh? <laughs> this isn't about just you know like we're saying. It is actually just that the more you get into this, as we mentioned before the interview with uh, Mike, this post down post lockdown golf era for the what is it something like six majors in the space of 10 months or something mad yeah. uh, it's just such a brilliant brilliant uh, story and there's so many sub stories and subplots got on within them that is worth keeping an eye on so I am very much looking forward to it this weekend Mick. As, you, as you said the course itself is going to be a character uh, in, that, in that story um, so we, we'll see so many yeah. different dynamics and it's going to promise to be a brilliant weekend we won't have the famous New York crowd now, it's not like it's not as uh, crazy as some courses, but that's unfortunate. But I do feel that golf is missing the crowd a lot less than others. Although they say that the likes of Tiger and Rory, especially who are used to like crazy galleries, are actually missing it. They've had to refocus their game, they feel like practice rounds. But from a viewer's point of view, I don't think you massively miss the crowd at all in the way you do with um, soccer and all the other sports. But uh, so again, I think that um, one of the other reasons that like, you know, this feels like full on. In terms of me, it's like the US Open is starting on Thursday and I can't wait for it yet. And again, I do prefer when the courses are on the East Coast just so we can stay up and watch them at some class of a reasonable hour and we don't have to add on another three hours just to see who won like we did uh, a couple weeks ago. Exactly. Well, look, like I said, if you are having a bet this weekend, please do gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlewy.net for more information. Please also subscribe to the podcast by searching the build-up on balls.e. We'll be back later on this week previewing this weekend's Premier League action and, of course, the European Championship.
Champions Cup quarterfinals. But until next time, find yourself. <laughs>